Well, when you hear that music, you know what it means. We're talking baseball here on the Never Ending Glory podcast. This is Reggie. I'm joined by the cast of characters here, uh, one of which you will be familiar with. Nick, Nick and Akron, Nick Schill, star of the Never Ending Glory College Football Podcast. And joining us for the first time on this baseball podcast is the big righty, Martin Cardinal. You can follow him on Twitter and follow our uh, NEG Pod MLB account that we are bringing back at NEG Pod MLB. You can follow Nick at Nick and Akron. You can follow me at Reggie NEG. And uh, guys, you know, we haven't done this in a while. We, we did do a brief uh, baseball podcast during 2016 during the playoffs because we were so jacked up about the tribe. Uh, but we decided uh, we're, we're going to branch out and try and bring something different to the table here for the NEG brand. And, uh, and since those guys do such a good job covering football, I can't really add too much to that. But uh, I figured why not start a, a baseball podcast that we can do on a regular basis, maybe uh, a couple times a month during tribe off days and uh, branch out and cover the rest of the league as well. So, uh, Nick, how you doing tonight? What's going on? Doing a lot better than Sean Kelly. I think my check's going to cash on Friday on my cam. So oh, my a- gosh. That was unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> you're up by 21. What are you so pissed about? If you haven't, uh, seen, if you haven't seen this, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so it's August 1st. Last night, which was Tuesday... Sean Kelly, what, he gave up like a two-run two bomb, three-run bomb or something, right? Three-run bomb, yeah. Yeah, so it was 25-1, to the Nats were beating the Mets. He gives up a three-run bomb and just throws like a nine-year-old Little League temper tantrum on the mound. And today he was cut. <laughs> Martin Cardinal, did you see this? I did see it, and uh, I was glad to see that he got cut immediately afterwards or designated for assignment because that was pretty pathetic. And I guess it just gives you a nice – view of what the heck's going on in Washington because that team's a kind of a train wreck right now. Yeah, that pretty much like sums up their season. Like even on a night when they do everything right, something has to go wrong. And that's why they're a five hundred team. Well and get some perspective. You know, it could be worse. You could be a Met. So you can't get that pissed off. They're down twenty five to one. The Mets are a complete train wreck. You know, it could be worse. You gotta have some perspective there. <laughs> I, I retweeted this last night. Someone on Twitter uh posted that once they scored in the ninth to make it twenty five to four Someone tweeted, nobody beats these Mets by 24 runs. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, so again, we're, we're starting this baseball podcast up here on August 1st. We want to take this through the end of the year and kind of see where it takes us. If, if uh, it gets good feedback and we, you know, we're enjoying doing this, we're going to sh- try and carry it into next year as well. Um, but for, for the three of us, especially for, for Martin and myself uh, with, with the, uh, the real-life jobs that we have, uh, baseball kind of sets up better for us for, us for our work schedule, so uh, this kind of makes more sense. And plus, baseball is, you know, for the three of us, probably the th- our, our favorite sport to talk about. I know it is for me. I think uh, Mar- Martin would agree. Uh, all three of us play fantasy baseball. We won't really get into that because that will bore everybody to tears. But, um, you know, like I said, Grilly and the Zustin Bros, and Memphis Matt, Farkey's Faves, and, and, and Nick Schill as well. The, if you need football takes – you can go check them out, and they get everything you could possibly need. If you want some baseball to kind of spice things up a little bit, uh, you can check out this podcast. So uh, the way that we're going to kind of run this here is we'll start off by talking a little bit about the tribe, the Cleveland Indians, and kind of do some uh, some tribe talk here at the beginning, and then we'll go around the league and, and go bigger picture with the MLB and, and, and go that way. And, and then we'll sign off and kind of preview the next couple weeks ahead of what's coming up for the tribe before their, their next off day. Uh, we're recording this, like I said, on August 1st. They just played this afternoon against the Twins, so they're off tomorrow. And we'll release this on Thursday the 2nd. And then we'll go for a couple weeks, and uh, we'll hopefully be back mid-August during their next off day. So, uh, Guys, anything else before we get rolling here? Just excited to get going. Let's go. All right, so let's start with, uh, with tr- the Tribe here. Uh, currently sitting in first place in the AL Central, which they've been pretty much all year. They're 59-48 after their win today. They they won two out of three against Minnesota in Minneapolis, which it always seems like we struggle there. So that was a nice uh, series win today, especially with the offense not really doing much. Carrasco uh, was dominant today. Brad Hand was dominant today. Uh, so that was nice to see. Uh, but big picture, guys, I mean, I'll start with you, Nick, to see where, where your take is on us. Do you like where this team is at right now? Are you satisfied with – 
what we did at the deadline. I mean, obviously Brad Hand, Adam Simber coming over from the Padres was the big deal, uh, sending Francisco Mejia, our top prospect over there, and then getting Leonis Martin from the Tigers for Will Castro, minor league infielder. Um, those are the two big things that we did. Uh, are you satisfied with where this team is at right now? Uh, what do you think, Nick? I am. There, uh, there was a lot of – I think people, you know, day of the deadline were upset, but – my thinking is if if the hand and Simber deal would have happened, you know, the day of the deadline, everybody would be ecstatic. So, um, you know, Martin's a decent piece. I'm not I'm not doing cartwheels about him. Um, he's probably going to platoon with Rajay out in center. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone thinks it's a bummer, but our biggest thing was our bullpen, and now we might have also opened the window for you know since we got all of our starting pitchers through uh, 2020. Might have opened that window there if uh, Simber and Hand can be nice back into the bullpen, guys, because, um, you know, Allen and Miller are going to be gone. So I'm happy with the deadline. You know, if you guys want to touch on the outfielders, I wasn't ecstatic about any outfielder. They all had their flaws. Um, I liked Duvall, but after I saw what the cost was for that, I'm not too upset that we didn't really go after him, even though he's um, – you know, more of a guy that the tribe goes after the controlled person, but um, I think they had to give up too much uh, to the Reds to get him. So uh, not not too upset about that. I'm happy where we are at the at the deadline. You know, you can't you can't fix two outfield positions and bullpen and all this. Um, you know, at the deadline, it was a pretty quick quiet deadline. I think overall. I think uh, to your point there, Nick. I mean, w- w- since the hand deal got done, what like two weeks ago, everybody kind yeah. of assumed that there was a, another big deal in the works and so when when only martin came on the on the deadline day it was a little bit of a letdown to some people but like you said i mean they did something we knew they were going to do something and i think the possibility still exists too like last year that they can do something else in august like last year we got jay bruce uh after the non-waiver trade trade deadline uh there's a chance that maybe something could happen this month as well uh martin your thoughts on the tribe at, as we stand now on august 1st well, you know, I think the number one priority was definitely fixing the bullpen, which they did, and and they did it in a big way. And especially when Andrew Miller comes back, I think that becomes a really big piece for them. Uh, you know, their bullpen becomes a strength automatically. I did want to see him get a corner outfielder. I, I really wouldn't have minded if they would have tried the route of snatching up one of those middle infielders like Dozier or Scope, but it just didn't work out that way. I, I'm good with it. I will tell you, though, I think one piece you didn't mention was the Indians did make a minor trade for the uh, that – outfielder for st louis oscar i think his last name is mercado yes correct um, yes. And i i just brought it up i googled it real quick and the first article is from uh, a beat writer for the cardinals and it says oscar mercado trade was a mistake and i know that a lot of the people in st louis were not happy about the deal that was made i don't know he's 23 he's been in triple a if that's a piece that the indians might think long to, or no maybe towards the end of the year might be able to help them out in the playoffs i'm not sure um like you said august there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of movement in August, most likely. I think some of these teams that were kind of on the fringe, um, they kind of wanted to play it out a little bit longer to see. You know, you might see some more outfitters become available that way. So I was a little disappointed in the outfield piece, but, I, you know, when it's all said and done, the biggest hole they had, they filled. And I think as an Indians fan, that's probably the thing that you have to be most happy with. And plus, you know, like you guys said before, they have hand for a couple of years now, and that kind of might stop the bleeding a little bit when Cody Allen and Andrew Miller probably aren't back on this roster next year. Yeah, the, well, the, there's there's a there's a good chance we might see Mercado in September, right? When the rosters expand. Yeah, I, I was thinking he's either going to come up in September uh, for sure, and you know that might be a piece. You know, next year, you know, depending on Chiz's health and whatnot, you know, he might he might just go to right field. So Chiz and his glass calf. Yeah, I I, I I know he's played a lot of center, so I mean, maybe we pencil him in there, you know. He's definitely coming up in September. He's going to get a shot, and you know, well, if what he's I, hot, what would be great? What would be great is you know, it looks like, barring a, a horrific three weeks here, the Indians are going to have a very sizable lead in September. So why not give this guy some regular bats and see what he can do? And if you feel like he's worth a playoff roster spot, you know, go for it. Well, and that's I think that's going to be the tricky part is especially when we get into September and they start getting into all those interdivision games. You're, we're probably going to see the the run where they win, you know, ten in a row or fifteen out of seventeen or whatever. And I just hope it doesn't bring that false 
security, like, oh, everything's fine, because the AO Central is so bad that it's, I mean, they basically have it locked up. It's basically yeah. done. Well, they've had it locked up for two months. It's, very, it's, it's a, a, a very weird year, and that kind of leads me into my next point or question is, uh, you know, what really are we going to be looking for for the next two months? Because really it's kind of felt this way for the last couple months already that we're just, just kind of biding our time to the postseason. It's almost like watching the Cavs. Like, you know we're going to be in the playoffs, which is weird for an Indians team. I don't think we've ever really felt this way since, like, maybe 95. Um, but there's not really been a lot of suspense. It's been kind of a strange regular season in that, you know, I know all three of us and some of the other guys on our uh, on our crew, too, like the Zebras. I mean, we're into every game. But it, it hasn't been, like, appointment television maybe the way it was the last couple of years because these games don't really ultimately mean a ton because you have that security blanket of the central division. So wh- what are you guys looking to see in August and September from this team? Nick, what do you think? I think the number one thing is health. So I want to see Andrew Miller come back, be effective. Um, I think we're all con- a little concerned about Corey Kluber and where he's at. And um, I think I'll get in the next point here. Those are my uh, number two guys. So, I hate to even bring up his name, Brantley, whatnot. I, I really think there's really not a whole lot to play for except get healthy, get right, and uh, you know start peaking here at the end of September. Yeah, I mean, there's no chance that you're catching Houston. Obviously, you're not catching the AL East winner. So it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point that we're opening the ALDS in Houston. Um, and and you, know, you get two months to get healthy. The, the one encouraging thing, I think, is that Brad Hand has looked really good since he came over. The bullpen is all of a sudden looking pretty sharp. For me, obviously, and you just hit on it, Nick, I mean, Miller's going to be the the huge question mark here because he hasn't been very sharp in his rehab assignments here uh, the second time around. But they're being smart about it this time in the sense that they're just letting him stay down there until he figures it out. And then hopefully by the time he gets up to the major leagues, he's ready to go. Martin, what do you think? What are we looking for these next couple months? I think the number one thing's Kluber. Uh, that's the guy. That's the thing that scares me. And yeah, he's a guy that I love watching pitch. So I really try and tune into games that he's thrown, especially as opposed to listening on the radio. And just he's not missing bats. He's it just doesn't look right. And and compared to now, obviously, I don't think we could really expect his you know June on from last year. It was so ridiculously dominant, but just less than a K per nine. Or, or less than a, you know, K per inning right now. His last couple outings, he's got a lot of home runs. I think he's at like 20 or 21 home runs right now, and he only gave up 22 all of last year. Uh, that would be my biggest concern. I think the secondary thing is just making sure that the back half of our lineup is somewhat of a threat and not an easy one, two, three inning. And Jan Gomes has been pretty good for uh, you know for what maybe we expected after last year. Um, you know, obviously it'd be nice to see the, the, the center field, right field positions put a little bit more in terms of production. It's kind of a shame Naquin went down because he was finally starting to play a little bit, play well. Um, but those are the two big things for me. Yeah, I mean, the weird, the weird thing is, like, it seems like we're going to be counting on Rajay Davis again in the postseason. And if you look at Rajay's numbers, they're horrific. But there's just something about Rajay that, I don't know. We've talked about this before offline, but like he, there's just something about him that he brings to this team that you can't quantify in stats. Like he just gives us a little bit of an edge, a little bit of swagger. Like his his numbers to anybody else would be just like DFAable, but for somehow for some odd reason, like he's valuable to us. Yeah, it, it, it seems like there's we run into so many you know two two games in the eighth and the nine hitters up, and it's Rajay. And he gets on, and we're kind of like, well, he's stealing second. Yeah. And, um, you know, in this day and age where it's all about long ball and launch angle and stuff like that, it's – he can manufacture a run like no one else in this lineup and almost in this league uh, when he gets on. And, you know, he he can be 0 for 3, gets on in the 8th, and bam, get, you know, scoring run, Miller, Allen, shut the door. So Yeah, I mean, today's, you know, today's, today's game, case in point, you know, tie game. Sixth or seventh inning, can't remember. I think it was the seventh. And uh, uh, runner on first, they, they try a double steal. Jose takes off. The throw goes through, and Rajay swipes home. I mean, not really anybody else on our team, maybe other than Jose or Lindor, can make that play. And Rajay is the kind of guy that just throws caution to the wind, like you said, and can make those kind of plays where 
he he gets on base and makes something happen, and there's not a lot of teams that can do that in this day and age anymore. The Indians can, and which makes them a little bit dangerous in October because they can manufacture a run here and there. They do have the pitching that, that will hold up. So uh, my last question about the Tribe is, realistically, what can we expect from this team in October? Can this team beat a Houston in a five-game series? Can this team make an October run, or is it going to be – you know, three, four, five games and out like it was last year. What do you think, Martin? If Kluber and Miller are healthy, I think anything can happen. When you have good pitching in the playoffs, you know, you become scary. And I think it's kind of funny you were talking about Rajay a little bit because I was listening to the game a little bit on the radio today, and I guess I just didn't really realize it, but Hammy brought up the fact that the Indians lead the majors and seals yeah. uh, between, obviously, Rajay, J-Ram, and Lindor. You've got three guys that, um, you know, are, are serious throwing the base path. And plus, Brantley's not a stiff either. He has five or six as well. I, I think that's the Indians' differentiator, as weird as it is. I think that their ability to manufacture runs and win low-scoring games, that, that makes them different. Because you look at Boston, they have the big boppers, and the top of that lineup is really good. And then you have the Yankees with Judd and Stanton and Gregorius and, you know, the, the power they have in that lineup. Not that the Indians don't have power, but those teams don't run like the Tribe does. And I think that that's going to be their differentiator. Can they use that to a big enough advantage where they may be able to overcome some of the shortcomings that they may have against some of these bigger AL teams that they're going to end up playing? Right. No, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, not only can the Indians manufacture runs on the bases, but they hit the ball at the ballpark. I mean, they're one of the top teams in, in terms of home runs. I think they're in the top five. I could be wrong on this. Martin, you probably can correct me on this, but I think they're top five in the major leagues in home runs. Um. And and furthermore, they have the element where they can uh, uh, manufacture a run as well, uh, which is huge in the postseason, as we know. Um, so they can slug it out with these other teams. They can also manufacture runs with these other teams, and that's what you need to do. The other thing they don't do is they don't strike out very much. They put the ball in play. So they kind of have a little bit of everything offensively, but like you said, it's going to be key for the bottom of the order not to be automatic outs and give us something to turn that lineup over. Nick, what are you looking for uh, for this team in October? Can this team win a playoff series? Um, I'm going to piggyback off that. Uh, you know, we have an outline here we're kind of going off of. And for this one, my question is, is Andrew Miller and Corey Kluber healthy? And <laughs> tapped into that. I mean, obviously our biggest hole is the bottom of the lineup, but – you know, when you, when you look at the top five of our lineup and our pitching bullpen now, uh, with the addition of Hand and uh, and Simber, I, you know, I, I feel like we play with anybody. It, it's baseball, and that's what the that's the great thing about it. Um, this is in the NBA where only two three teams can win it. All ten teams once they get into this, they they, they all can win it. So um, yes, I think they can. The biggest thing will be. Andrew Miller, and if uh, Corey Kluber can – we, we know how Tito is. Tito's going to roll Corey Kluber out there uh, game one, whether he should or not, unless, uh, you know, Corey's got some kind of injury and we go with, uh, you know, a Bauer route like we have in the past. Well, the Indians are second in team home run. Okay, so top five. That's good. I wasn't I wasn't off base on that. Okay, let's, let's shift gears. Let's look bigger picture, MLB. Let's talk about the trade deadline, which – happened yesterday well as we're recording this so two days ago from when you hear this your thoughts on what you think the biggest surprises were uh at the deadline there there wasn't i guess a huge blockbuster trade at the deadline i mean chris archer i guess kind of was i don't know if he's a big enough name to be considered a real true blockbuster but uh biggest surprise at the trade deadline for you nick Uh, a little bit of curveball here i I really think once Machado and call me crazy hand went, um, I think all the big names were going to be traded. I think the biggest surprise was when Bryce Harper's name was being thrown around. Um, it, you know, we'll touch on this a little bit later when we talk about who we think is going to win it or whatnot. I don't think Nationals are out of it. I mean, let's the Braves are so young, especially at the top of that order. Um, you know, the Phillies I'm not impressed with. So the fact that Bryce Harper's name was thrown around, and as you can see. I saw Kelvin Herrera's name getting thrown around and whatnot with Doolittle with do on the deal and whatnot, and it kind of stood pat. So um, maybe they try to sell in a couple weeks here. Now, granted, you know, they scored 24 runs last night, uh, got a win today. So um, I really, you know, we'll touch on this. I really believe the Nationals are going to win that division. 
uh, even though I believe they're five games out right now. So, yeah, if, if you want a biggest surprise for me, I mean, we, we can touch on the Archer trade here. Um, but I think the biggest surprise was that uh, Bryce Harper was on the block as talked about as he was. Yeah, I mean, they are five games out, first of all. Secondly, I hope you're right because I am holding a Nationals plus 200 to win the NL East ticket. Uh <laughs> Third, I agree with what you said about Atlanta. They have not been playing well lately, although they have won three in a row. But before that, they were in kind of a rough stretch. The Phillies are are um, atop the division right now, but their run differential is low. They've been up and down. They, their team is hard to trust. you got to still think that the Nationals are going to make a run where they win 10 out of 12 and, and really uh, put themselves right in the mix. But it, it is a little odd. Uh, to your point, Nick, that, that Mike Rizzo, their GM, came out and, and basically it took him until yesterday morning of the deadline to come out and say, no, we're sticking with the team we have. We believe that we can make a run. You know, Why didn't you just come out and say that three, four weeks ago? That that team's a mess. I, I I think he's I think he's GMing from the seat of his pants. Really, I, you know, from the, just he's all over the place. Uh, that team's a mess. As as we talked about opening up, Sean Kelly, you know. Gets DFA'd and j- 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 that team's in shambles, but that lineup is disgusting. So it, it is. But here's the problem: other than Scherzer, who do you like of their starters? I mean, Jeremy Hellickson. I mean, is that it? I mean, no, is it, is that- I mean, I re- <laughs> and Tanner Rourke hasn't been great. No, Strasburg G- will not be struggling. Healthy. We can assume that. Uh, G- I've never been a Geo fans, but I agree with that. I, I just, you know, David Murphy gets right. Uh, you know, they have him six, seven lineup. Soto's a stud. Um, you know, Bryce Harper turns on a second half surge. I mean, that lineup is so deep and so hard to pitch to. Yeah, no, no question. Martin, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Uh, just a real quick, just to add to what you guys were saying. The weird thing about Washington, though, is I don't know if you how much you guys pay attention to it. Their lineup, their batting order is totally different almost night to night. Yeah, Trey Turner hits eighth one night and seventh, and then he's hitting first or second. And Bryce Harper, I think, is hitting every spot one to five this year. You know, they're just really there's something to be said for keeping guys on their toes, but the inconsistency of their batting order is so whacked out. And I think that's be part of the reason why they haven't hit the way that they should this year. Um, but it's just it's very bizarre. Every night when you look at it, it's totally different. Um, just a couple couple things that I thought was really surprised by. I cannot believe the Brewers did not trade for a starting pitcher. I'm completely stunned. Their rotation is not very good. And they decided to go a weird route and trade for Moustakis and Scope. And then they wanted to play Travis Shaw at second. Then they made the Scope trade. Their deadline was very bizarre to me. Um, they really needed a bit of infield help, and they got it. But just very bizarre. Um, Houston trading for Roberto Ozuna after the whole domestic violence thing was very peculiar to me. And then finally, the Tommy Pham to Tampa Bay was just completely out of left field. I had no idea that Tommy Pham was really even on the market. Um, Tampa Bay kind of came out of the nowhere and, and pulled a deal for him, and it was a great trade for Tampa. Um, we talked a little bit before the show started about how Tampa kind of took a weird approach where they were selling, but they actually kind of got better at the same time. Um, but those are the three things that I thought really stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, it didn't surprise me that Tommy Pham was traded. It surprised me that he ends up in Tampa of all places. Like they're getting rid. They they had two starting pitchers on their entire roster, Evaldi and Archer, and they traded them both. So they have zero starting pitchers. Like it's like it's like a fantasy strategy. Like I'm going zero SP. Like I'm I'm not taking a starter, and that's that's what they're doing. They're just going to bullpen. What the did with their lineup? They have. 12 legitimate bats that could start on most teams in the major leagues right. and not all of them could play. And they were trying to play guys at it. When you have a bad pitching staff, the last thing you want to do is start playing guys out of position. And they were going to try and play Travis Shaw at second base. And that was probably going to be a disaster. Now they're talking about maybe playing him in the outfield. And I mean, Travis Shaw's their, he's their four hitter. He just, right. He's just play three days a week. It's just very bizarre what they did. I, I, I read an article, uh, Martin, you're going to love this. I don't know if this is accurate or not. Um, Scope played shortstop in the minors. So they are actually throwing around the idea that Moustakis plays third. Scope moves to short. Shaw plays second. Now this is all saying that Aguilar, who has kind of fallen off this, these last couple weeks, continues to hit. If you know, if Aguilar is a non-factor, obviously Shaw's probably going to move to first. But I, can, I cannot imagine – 
if they roll that lineup one day, you know, the way you and I text back and forth about their lineup. Well, oh, that's fantastic. Just hit a bunch of ground balls. They yeah, I mean, and, and yeah. And they have a ton of pitch-to-contact starters anyways, which is hilarious. Right. Yeah, very bizarre. Very bizarre deadline for the Brewers. Although uh, Arcia, their shortstop, is just having a brutal year. Just brutal. Oh, he's an automatic out. Yeah. I mean, that's why I saw the article there saying they, they were going to move him to short and keep Shaw at second then with uh, the Moustaka trade as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. You guys want to get this Chris Archer trade at all? I, I do. I was... I, that was going to be my surprise because okay, I, go ahead. The, the Pirates are, are typically a team that does not do this kind of thing. Uh, and I believe last year they were in a similar – I'd have to look back at the standings, but – they were in a similar position position last year or the year before, and they like traded Mark Melanson and a couple other guys. Like they they weren't buyers, and everyone was begging them to buy. And now it seems like okay, you're six games out. You're you know you're kind of in the wild card chase. I mean, it's kind of wide open. But are you, and they go out and make this trade for Chris Archer, which is, this seems like an, a very unpirate thing to do. They don't seem like a team right now that's ready to win right now. So it's kind of an odd move. See, when I looked at that, and um, I just looked this up, I think Archer signed through 2020 or 2021. Yeah, so he is. kind of what he is. possibly could be. This screams a lot of recent trades, and I'm curious. This is the most curious trade I'm you know, looking at to see how it, it, it plays out. If you look back at the top prospect list last year, I believe Meadows and Glasnow are in the top ten. Yeah. Um, Glasnow has just stupid stuff. Uh, can't throw strikes though. So maybe he's got a little Trevor Bauer in him where if he learns to pitch, um, all that stuff's going to work. Um, I think Meadows is garbage, but I mean, I can't hide the fact I believe he was the number eight prospect last year at the article I looked at. So this, this kind of screams like how it's going to play out. I thought the same thing with Adam Eaton. I thought, uh, the Nationals gave up too much when they gave up Giolito and Lopez. I mean, you can go back to, I'm sure there's a lot, you know, I'm sure there's three Tribe fans listening to this where uh, the Ubaldo trade where we gave up our top two, top two pitching prospects in Alex Wood and Drew Pomerantz. So I'm really curious how this trade plays out where it, it really looks like they collected assets that, um, you know, could project, could not. I mean, they could, uh, Lucas Giolito has looked awful. Yeah. Lopez, great. So I'm Mon- really Moncada curious. Moncada struggled. Sorry, I cut you off there. I said Mon- Moncada struggled. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Glasnow does have filthy stuff. His problem seems to be that he's 6'8", and his mechanics are always out of whack. He can't find the strike zone. He seems like almost like a right- right-handed uh, Andrew Miller. Like, Miller struggled for the first several years of his career, too, kind of in a similar way. So he's the kind of guy that maybe could have the light go on here at some point uh, if he could ever get those mechanics straightened out. But, I mean, he throws freaking gas. Uh, it moves all over the place too. I mean, his breaking stuff's great, and his you know fastball's ninety eight. So, um, you know, we, we mentioned we're in a lot of fantasy leagues together. I I don't know if you guys noticed notice this. I took I took him with the last pick in every uh, league I was in, just hoping you know he should have been a starter. I thought with his you know kind of upcoming pedigree, but uh, just didn't work out. Do you still have him in any any leagues? No, he gone. <laughs> Martin, anything else trade deadline wise? Uh, no, I, I actually love. I just wanted to throw one thing in there with the Archer trade when they were talking about him moving, and the Yankees were a possibility, and the Brewers were a possibility. His numbers on the road in his career have been absolutely unbelievable in terms of just the sheer difference. He had an ERA on the road of over five three years ago, over four two years ago. This year. He's actually a little bit better with a high three. His ERA at home has been in the in the mid to in the mid to low threes and high twos the last couple of years. The thing about Archer is he's, he gives up a lot of home runs traditionally, so you don't want to play. He doesn't want to be in a park that is more hitter friendly. And Pittsburgh obviously is a very good pitcher's park, so I actually really like the trade for Pittsburgh, especially because he's under team control. Um, it's a trade that teams like the Indians and the Pirates have to make, where they're going to get a guy. And they're going to give up prospects that you want to get somebody that you at least have for a couple years. Um, so I really like the trade for Pittsburgh. Uh, Martin, did anything about the playoff landscape change in your opinion? So, like, in, after the deadline, 
Anything change for you in terms of the way you view a team going forward down the stretch and into the playoffs? I think I love Philly to win the East. I, re- I, I like just some of the small pieces that they put together at the deadline, especially if Wilson Ramos gets healthy. Um, I, this will have anything to do with, I guess it has a little bit to do with the trades, but I think Oakland is going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to catch Seattle. I don't think Seattle really did much. I really like Oakland's bet lineup. Um, and then I, I think the other piece is, I don't think, I think with what Arizona and the Dodgers did, that Colorado is kind of out of that picture a little bit. I, I don't think that they have a shot to win the West. I thought Arizona and the Dodgers both did really well at the deadline. And I thought they really pulled themselves ahead of Colorado. Colorado picked up Song Wano, but really didn't do much other than that. But I think that some of the things in the, the NL got a little bit more clear, even though it looks murky at the moment. Uh, actually, the A's did catch Seattle today, in fact. They are now tied. Um, percentage points-wise, Seattle is still ahead. But uh, in terms of uh, games over 500, they are tied. Yeah, that's a scary team. Just say, yes, it is, and they are they are thirty and ten in their last forty. By the way, Oakland, so that's <laughs> decent little run there. Shell, your thoughts? I I know this, you know, seems pretty basic. It, it's hard not to like the Dodgers infield now. With uh, with Dozier and Machado, so um, I know that's you know very basic and bland, but um, I think they're the favorites in the NL now. Um, their pitching still somewhat scares me. They didn't really add any bullpen help or whatnot, but uh, I mean John Axford sucks. So uh, I I really like what the Dodgers did the deadline as far as uh, I mean they go eleven twelve deep now. With you know where they can throw Kiki in and you know that kind of stuff uh, based on matchups uh, to really strike that lineup. So um, I, I believe that the favorites in the NL. That's mostly based on um, mostly based on the lineup. But yeah, so yeah, I really like Dodgers in this um, this trade deadline. Where 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 do you think they're going to play Max Muncie more? Outfield, first base. What are they doing with him now? <sighs> I think he's going to play first. I think they, you know, rather have him at first and just put Bellinger in the outfield. Um, yeah, I believe he's going to be at first a lot. I know they mentioned that Dozier might not play every day too, so you still might see Muncie a little bit, uh, Muncie a little bit in the middle infield yeah. as well. He's not in the lineup tonight, which is kind of weird, but uh, maybe it's just a day off. Yeah, he hasn't really hit that well since the break. Maybe they're just giving him a mental day. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get into some of these divisional races here or uh, playoff races. Let's start in the AL East because this is going to be um, fascinating down the stretch. Um, first of all, the Boston Red Sox right now are 75-34, and 34, which is absolutely stupid and absurd. They're playing 688 baseball, uh, which is unbelievable. Um, but the Yankees are five and a half games back, and uh, it still feels like they're right there, even though they're five and a half games out. It doesn't feel like a big lead. I mean, they're playing 642 baseball themselves, 68 and 38, and they're five and a half games out. Both those teams are ridiculously good. It's going to be a vintage uh, Red Sox-Yankees battle to the end, kind of like uh, you know in years past. They still have ten games left with each other. Seven of those are in Boston, including the last three of the regular season, and I think they start a four-gamer tomorrow, if I'm correct in saying that. So still a lot of baseball to be played. The Red Sox have a slightly tougher schedule the rest of the way because they still have ten left with, I believe, Houston and Cleveland, and the Yankees have played those two teams uh, all already, uh, all the games that they're going to play. So Boston still has a little bit of a, a tougher schedule coming up. Handicapping the AL East, Martin, what are your thoughts here? Do the Yankees run Boston down or not? You know, if you would have asked me two days ago, I would have said no, no chance. But with Chris Sale going down, um, supposedly it's only you know, he's only going to miss one start. But I think that's the, the differentiator. I think the interesting part between those two teams is that they both can hit, but Boston's rotation is significantly better than the Yankees. But the Yankees' bullpen is significantly better than Boston's because Boston's bridge to Kimbrell – is not very strong, whereas the Yankees have like four setup men. That, that would be the main setup guy for pretty much any major league team. They basically so, have like four closers be, as setup men. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And really, one of their guys that was key last year, Tommy Canely, pitched so bad he's even in AAA. So if he figures things out, you know, he might be back at some point. But I think that's the unique thing between those two teams is that is their pitching is so different. Um, I'll be curious to see how that goes. But if Sale's fine, I, I really think Boston's. I think Boston's better than they are, and I think Boston holds them off and probably wins this thing by six, eight games. I'm in the same boat. I would um, always lean starting pitching over uh, bullpen, especially in the regular season. Um, So since I kind of agree, do you guys see – is Eovaldi going to be more of that bullpen bridge guy in the playoffs? I can see that happening where, you know, he might be the sixth, seventh – you know, give me the eighth kind of kind of guy, almost pulling the Andrew Miller role. When I saw that trade, I was, yeah, he's probably going to be a starter, but postseason-wise, I could see them maybe rolling in that role. Do you guys agree with that at all? Well, let's think about this here. you got Sale is going to, in a five-game series, Sale is going to start twice. Uh, as, lo- as long as they win the division, he doesn't have to pitch in a wild-card game. He's going to pitch twice. And who else are they going to throw out there? They're going to have to throw uh, Erod probably once, right, as long as he's healthy. So- Rick Porcello. Porcello, yeah. I did read, or I've heard, that they have considered or talked about possibly using Price out of the bullpen because he was so good in the pen yeah. last postseason. That's the thing. They, they're going to have some tough decisions to make with that rotation because Evaldi mean, yeah. looked great in his first start. I mean, it's only one start with Boston, but he looked really good. Um, Erod, I believe, is still on the DL. Is that correct, Martin? Yeah. And Pomeranz, his ankle or knee? Uh, yeah, Pomeranz, I think, stinks. He's not going to be in their rotation in the playoffs. Uh, Johnson obviously is not. So it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do w- with a couple of these guys. One of them is going to have to be a bullpen guy. I agree with you, Shill. I mean, but, and you're right. Price was, was very good in that role. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, we don't really need to talk about the American League Central because that's long been decided. Uh, we will talk about the American League West. The Astros just won the last two against their, uh, the Mariners in that series that they have going on this week. The Seattle Mariners are 18 games over 500 with a minus nine run differential. This is getting into, <laughs> I think it was uh, 2016 Ranger territory. Is Rangers. that right, Shell? Oh, yeah. Uh, we crap out of them in the playoffs. It was fantastic. Yes, it was. It was. It was awesome. It, it didn't make up for all the money we lost on them in the regular season, but it, it still no. felt good. But as we just mentioned, uh, Oakland has run them down for, for the wild card. Seattle. Uh, they're both five games back of Houston. It's hard to see either of them really factoring into the division race. But uh, Oakland, Seattle, who comes out of that and gets that second wild card? I, um, I, I, I agree with uh, Martin as well. Um, I'm with Oakland. The depth of the bullpen is amazing. Um, really like the Miller lineup. I know we're all huge uh, Chris Davis fans here on this pod. So, yeah, I, I, I do think Oakland's going to catch him in um, – you know, pull head, and that is a very scary team. Uh, even with their lack of starting pitching, um, I'm sure Martin can go through their entire bullpen here um, from memory. Of that's a scary team where they, you know, they can turn the bullpen over in a playoff in a playoff game in the fourth inning and just mow you down. Right, and that we had talked about that offline too. I mean, they're playing the Yankees, let's say, in, in a wild card situation, in a well, you know, one game one game scenario, you know. Shamanaya, give me three innings, or, or um, I don't even know who else they would throw out there. I mean, I guess that's it, right? Give me you, uh, that's a, Edwin Jackson. No, no. <laughs> Trevor Cahill. No, probably not. Uh, Brett Anderson. Brett. Probably not. Uh, yeah, give me three innings, and then we'll turn it over to the bullpen, and and we'll go match up one inning at a time. I mean, I, I think the familiar thing for them is a, was a good move. I mean, it's the kind of the kind of guy that probably needed out of a toxic situation in New York. He has some track record. You know, why not give him a shot? He just adds a little bit more depth to that bullpen. Guys like Trevino and Trinan. Uh, Yasmero Petit, I know you're a big fan of him, Martin. Um, yeah, they're they're filthy out there in the bullpen. Yeah, that's definitely their their big strength. And if you're gonna have bad starting pitching, I know I kinda ripped Milwaukee a little bit a little bit while back about how they didn't address their starting pitching needs. Um, but I, I really like. I just think their lineup's phenomenal. They're scrappy. Uh, you know, they just they score in bunches. They have a lot of confidence right now. They're playing incredibly well. You mentioned thirty and ten in their last forty. Um, I, I really like them. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Seattle. I just they don't excite me. That's just not a team. I mean, James Paxton's really good. After that, their rotation's kind of iffy. Their bridge to Edwin Diaz is is okay, but not spectacular. Um, 
you know, the top half of their lineup's okay, but their the rest of their lineup's kind of odd. You know, just not a real strong, you know, one to nine AL type lineup. I just don't think they stand out at all, Seattle. Yeah. I don't think they have something that kind of makes you think, oh yeah, they can maybe go to the World Series. Whereas we talked about the Indians with their power speed on offense, you know, or, or you know, Boston and New York's ability to hit the long ball in the AL. They don't have something that is really good. They're just kind of good everywhere. And I'm not sure come playoff time what that, you know, even if it's the one, you know, the one game playoff, um, you know, that that gives them any sort of advantage. You can't see them winning in Boston or New York in a one game scenario. You can't see Oakland doing it. I can't see them doing it. Two, two things with Seattle here real quick. Number one. You mentioned their their bridge to Diaz. Their bullpen has been used a ton. Diaz has been used a ton. I think he has thirty nine or forty saves already. And he has he's starting. That's that's unreal. He's logged a lot of mileage. And number two, they're going to have an interesting situation when Cano comes back because what are you going to do with him for the last six weeks or whatever it's going to be when you're trying to get ready for a stretch run in the postseason? You have him kind of hanging out there and he can't play in the playoffs. That's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Well, uh, and, I, and I've read, because uh, they picked up uh, Cameron Maiden at the deadline. Yeah. Is he going to play center? And then Does Gordon he, can play second. Does second? Yeah. And then Ross Cano plays first, and then Healy, you know, Healy does have regular bats for the postseason. It, 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 it's a very tricky situation. Yeah, I mean, that. I've heard a lot of differing opinions listening to, to people on the radio and things like that. I mean, Jim Bowden from uh, – Sirius XM uh, has said if he was the GM, he would he would let he would bring Cano in, let him play every day, and the, and the minute they clinched the postseason, he'd send him on his way and move on. But the problem is that might not happen until game 162. So he's going to be around trying to help you win a, a wild card berth, and he's gone. So it's going to be really weird to see how they construct their lineup. And, and I mean, I think we all can agree that uh, D Gordon is a much better – infielder than he is an outfielder correct absolutely yep yeah so i mean that's it's going to be really weird to see if they move him from second you know where, where do they put cano maybe first i, I don't i don't know it, it, it's interesting it's hard to see them hanging on though i agree i think the signs are there that that oakland's kind of coming on and seattle's kind of showing those regression signs uh that's their second half record here, their their last third of the season record might be more in line with their run differential here as we go forward. Um, in the American League, that's it. I mean, there's really nothing else to talk about other than who's going to win the AL East and who's going to get that second wild card. Um, we'll, we'll continue to break this stuff down as we go forward here throughout the next two months of the podcast. But in the, in the National League, things are much more interesting. We kind of already touched on the National League East with the Phillies and the Braves and the Nationals. Uh, let's talk about the Central for a little bit. The Cubs and the Brewers currently tied for first. The Cubs just a couple percentage points ahead, two games ahead in the loss column. The Pirates six back and the Cardinals seven and a half back. Uh, and with a managerial change already, you can't really realistically see those two teams uh, really factoring in down the stretch. It looks like a two-team race here in the Central between the Cubs and the Brewers. One thing that we should point out about the Brewers, too, is they do have a filthy bullpen along with the A's, uh, and that will aid them going forward as well, especially in tight games down the stretch. But, uh, Shill, what are your thoughts on the NL Central here coming down the stretch? Can the Brewers play even with the Cubs and make this interesting all the way to the end? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Cubs are going to run away with it. I believe – let me see the odds here. Oh, crap. I believe they're like minus 400 right now. So I'm kind of in that same boat where I didn't think it was going to be that high. But, yeah, I, I, I do think the Cubs run away with it. They're minus 300 right now to win the uh, Central. I just – I don't care for the Brewers lineup, especially if Aguilar is not, um, you know, coming back to his uh, AAA self that he was over here in Cleveland. So um, not crazy for the lineup. I think the Cubs run away with it. Martin? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not real. So you, you, you are right. The Brewers bullpen's phenomenal. I mean, they've got three guys that that lead into Corey Knebel at the back half there. Um, I just I don't like their starting pitching. I, you know, to be honest with you though, I'm not like overly excited about the Cubs lineup, but they just seem to kind of get it done. Um, you know, I, actually, it's funny when we were prepping for the pot. I did not realize that the Cubs were 17 games over 500. I knew that they were in first place, but I, I just didn't realize that they they just kind of quietly gone about their business. I'm not a John Lester guy. 
I know he's been good in the playoffs for the most part, but you know he just he gives up way too much hard contact. He's not missing bats. His numbers were real fluky in the first half, and you're kind of seeing that regression. He got, yeah, he got torched the other night, um, and uh, so I'm not a big fan of him. I, I, you know, for the Cubs, I think an X factor kind of could be is if you Darvish comes back and actually looks like you Darvish. Uh, you know, he obviously hasn't pitched in a while, but. You know, he's a guy that solidifies the top three of that rotation a little bit. I'm not a Kyle Hendricks guy, um, but I just, I guess, I just believe in the Cubs and and how they do things, and that they, you know, they play the right guys and 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 tend to, meet, you know, find ways to win. And I just don't, I don't know, I just don't trust the Brewers. I think that defense is going to stink. Well, it's also tough to win regularly too. That's, I think, that's part of it. I mean, it's it's tough to see them losing home games down the stretch in in big spots. But who, who knows? I mean. Uh, they did win today. I should correct that. that. Actually, as we're recording this, they beat the Pirates, so they're now technically a half game ahead of the Brewers, who are currently leading the Dodgers two to nothing. So, um, yeah, I mean Milwaukee's playing well. They've gone on this West Coast swing here and played well. So, um, I mean they they appear to be um, trying to build themselves to be in it for the long haul here. So I'm going to be uh, watching this race very closely in the Central. Uh, oh, Darvish is going to come back for like two weeks, and then he's going to be gone again. And uh, I think Martin touched on this before about switching lineups. The Cubs lineup every day is just – I almost feel like Joe Madden, even though he's the smartest guy around, um, tongue-in-cheek obviously, I, I feel like he just pulls name, names out of a hat. I've seen Addison Russell and Javier Baez hit all over that lineup. Uh, he's too smart for his own good. So if we, would, if we just want to dog on Joe Madden for the end of the pod, I'm good with that. Dude's a clown. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the NL West for a second. It's probably the most interesting divisional race because you really have three teams right now that are in the mix. Um, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Dodgers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and write the Giants off. I mean, I, 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 that's another team that I just don't believe in. They're currently one game over 500. They're 55 and 54. They have a minus 28 run differential. Johnny Cueto's having Tommy John surgery. Um, their pitching staff hasn't been healthy all year. And they really needed Cueto to be Johnny Cueto like he was two or three years ago for them to have any chance of contending down the stretch. Uh, I just don't see them keeping up with the other three teams in this division. The Dodgers have fallen out of first place. The Diamondbacks currently lead the division by a half game over the Rockies and the Dodgers. Uh, Bunched up in the loss column, the Rockies actually have one fewer loss than the D-backs and the Dodgers. Um, It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this shakes out. Rockies, again, have a negative run differential despite being 58 and 48. Um, the Dodgers certainly look like the best team on paper. Martin, can the Diamondbacks or Rockies unseat them at the end of the day and win this division? I think so. I really like Arizona. Um, I, you know, I think Colorado could, but I, I, Arizona's the team at the deadline. They picked up Eduardo Escobar, so they've got, they solidified their lineup in that regard. Um, Jake Lamb has just been brutal at third base for them. Then they picked up Diekman, Jake Diekman and uh, Brad Ziegler both for their bullpen. Archie Bradley's been lights out so far this year. Um, so they have a, a really strong bullpen. Their rotation is very solid. Uh, they, I think a big question mark for them is Robbie Ray, if he can find it again, yeah. because yeah. he's been getting touched up and kind of, um, you know, we talked you know, about regression, a guy that gives up a ton of hard contact, uh, but has gotten kind of fortunate because he strikes so many guys out, has been getting touched up a little bit, and has regressed a little bit back towards maybe what he should have been. He's probably more of a, a high threes guy and not a low threes, you know, high twos guy, ERA-wise. So I really like Arizona. I think their lineup's solid one to eight. I like their rotation. I like their um, bullpen. And, you know, the thing about the Dodgers is, are they going to stay healthy? Is Kershaw going to be Kershaw? Um, can they keep Rich Hill healthy? Uh, you know, they have a lot of pieces, but at the same time, you, they have to stay healthy and kind of, and uh, you know, make sure that they can put their best team on the on the field as much as they can. But it's been really impressive to see the Dodgers really fight back from that brutal start they had um, in April and early May. Yeah, people wrote them off. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think they were sixteen and twenty six at one point, uh, and they fought back to be from ten under to ten over, which is impressive. Um, yeah, the Diamondbacks pitching staff is. Is very solid. I mean, Granky, Corbin, both having great years. Clay Buckholes out of nowhere has been very serviceable. Uh, you know, you mentioned Ray. Zach Godley has been the ultimate enigma because I own him in two or three leagues. I mean, he's great one night and then gives up seven runs the next. And mm-hmm. Boxberg has been really good as their closer. So, 
Yeah, their pitching staff is solid. They're, they're, they are the team, I agree with you, that could give the Dodgers a run. I don't see the Rockies uh, with their bullpen uh, struggles at times. Brian Shaw has been brutal. Um, that, thank God we don't have him anymore. Uh, I don't know if they're in it for the long haul to be able to, to, to stay in this race all the way to the end. Show your thoughts on the NL West. Yeah, and maybe we could just tie this in the in a wild card. I, I've already mentioned I think the Dodgers uh, win that division. I'm with you guys as well, based on their pitching staff. I think the Diamondbacks end up being one of those wild cards uh, based on that as well. W- one thing I was kind of – I guess I kind of wasn't shocked by it. Um, you know, I, I was going to transition from I think the Dodgers are going to win. I've already mentioned that, and I – you know, I do believe the Diamondbacks are going to be one of the wild cards. So I was kind of tying that in the wild card the next one. Okay. Uh, before we wrap this up, let's look at the the Indian schedule here for the, the next couple weeks before their next off day. The Indians are off uh, today when you're hearing this. Uh, they host the Angels for three this coming weekend. They host the Twins for four. And then they go to Chicago for a weekend series the following weekend. And then to Cincinnati for three and before their next off day. Um, you know, not really a lot to see there. The Indians are kind of back in the central division again where they're probably going to beat up on some teams. They're probably going to, you know, fare pretty well against the Reds because they normally uh, they normally play well in Cincinnati. Their next off day is August 16th. Um, so that's kind of when we plan on reconvening and we'll kind of take further stock of these races that are going on and uh, kind of go forward from there. Fellas, anything uh, further more to say before we wrap up this uh, inaugural edition of the NEG MLB podcast? I'm excited to see what happens in August with, with the waiver trades. I think, I think we're going to still see some pretty big moves that could, that could shake up some things, and I think you're going to see some of these teams that were on the bubble about whether they could compete or not. They might fall out of it. And uh, you might start seeing some pieces move. So, you know, my hopes for the Indians aren't dead, but obviously other teams have the opportunity to, you know, get better as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but um, of the top four in the AL, obviously we have the, the waiver order there. So if you see the Nationals, which we don't think is going to happen, um, start to sell. They might come up again, Bryce Harper. That's where you might see Andrew McCutcheon, Josh Donaldson, you know, players like that. Um, a lot of outfielders might pop up there. So um, that is the one advantage us Tribe fans have is uh, that waiver order there to get like a Jay Bruce or Joe Smith like we did last year. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing, by the time we're back on the air in a couple weeks, I want to see Andrew Miller back in the Indians uniform and pitching well. Uh, that will make me feel a lot better. And uh, maybe a couple of... Uh, a good Corey Kluber starts in there also. Uh, he did look good his last time out. He looked better at least. Uh, so hopefully that's something to build on for him. So, uh, Guys, we're going to wrap it up. I uh, look forward to talking to you again in a couple weeks. I enjoyed it. And um, until then, go Tribe, and uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. <laughs>